Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we speak with Lisa Bevere, who is a New York Times bestselling author, a teacher, as well as a wife, mother, and grandmother. She and her husband, John, co-founded the ministry organization Messenger International. She has devoted her life speaking to women and teaching them how to be empowered in their God-given femininity, drawing many comparisons to how lionesses behave in the wild. She wanted to impart the same boldness to her granddaughters and has now written a book called Lizzie the Lioness in hopes of teaching young girls and boys too how to be brave. I'm Lisa Bevere. I am a Sicilian mother and grandmother. I have four sons, four grandchildren. I have the privilege of traveling the earth and speaking to God's women. And for for really three decades now, I've been traveling and empowering and speaking to women of all ages. And I just really uh, have a heart to not just speak to women, but to actually speak to children. And so this was an incredible opportunity for me just to expand that. Um, I've written 12 books. I have one New York Times bestseller. I've been married for 35 years. My husband is also an author and we just love life and we love Jesus. I was born and raised in West Lafayette, Indiana. My father was, uh, he was 100% Sicilian. You know, his parents were immigrants. He worked really hard to work his way up the ladder, became the president of the Home Builders Association. My grandparents were involved at Purdue University. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. I grew up in the Midwest normal and just always was a little bit bent towards wild. I lost an eye to cancer when I was five years of age. I had some called retinoblastoma. And I think that that really marked my life. It kind of punctuated it with an urgency. And I also hated feeling like I had limitations. I hated feeling perceived as I was the one-eyed girl. I was, you know, the outcast. And so I ran away as soon as I could. When I went to college, I went to University of Arizona, went out there, sowed my wild oats to the extreme, and really found that that was empty. And I remember between my junior and my senior year, I said, okay, I've gotten everything I hoped would fill the voids in my life, and none of it did. And between my junior and senior year in college, I came home for summer school at Purdue, met John. He shared with me the gospel for the very first time. And when I heard it, I thought, wait, this is why I was created. I was created for fellowship with God. I got born again on my very first date with John. I interrupted him. I said, whatever this Christian thing is, I need to do it right now. I got born again and uh, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit and just realized in that moment why I was created. I spent about an hour and a half looking for the book of Paul that night because John had said, Paul said this and Paul said that. And I, I'd been raised heathen. So uh, I had no Christian frame of reference. And, you know, I was like, okay, God, there's a book of Paul. I need to find it. I had like a little new test, new way, new Testament in my college dormitory. And seriously, from that moment forward, I just realized that God was the purpose behind my life. And, you know, back then, they actually told you that God had a plan for your life. It wasn't about a destination after you died. It was about, hey, guess what? You're clueless. God actually already knows the plan he has for your life. And it's for good and for hope and for a future. And John and I got married a year and a half later and just began to, to dream. You know, we 
first-generation Christians, we said, okay, we're going to have to make this up as we go along. And ha- just kind of by accident, uh, raised four amazing sons who all love Jesus with all of their hearts, serve God, work alongside of us in the ministry. And uh, yeah, so we just, you know, we just said we want to do it. We want to do it as a couple. We want to do it as a family. We believe that ministry should be legacy. I feel like God tricked me into talking to women because (laughs) I was kind of like, hey, God, I don't don't know if you understand this, but I, I don't like women. I, I don't like women. I don't understand women. I remember when John proposed to me, I said, you are getting such a great deal. And he was like, okay. And I said, I am a woman's body with a man's brain. And he was like, I am actually not comfortable with that. And I said, no, you you, you actually need to be comfortable because women are crazy. And I was like, you don't want me to be like that. And so, you know, I kept giving birth to boys and was like, yay. And uh, then God began to to move upon my heart and tell me that he had that he had called me to minister to women and I was like okay I think we need to have a talk about this I don't like women they don't like me so if you actually want me to speak to women you're going to have to send me a mentor so the first 8 years of my marriage you know, I, I'm trying to be obedient. I'm looking from one woman to the next and say, okay, are you, are you, are you, do you see something in my life you want to help me with? Do you want to, you want to pour into me? And all of them were like, no, not really. And so I remember my husband tricked me into speaking at a women's meeting. Like I had, I, okay. So I had driven with two small children for 14 hours in a car, pregnant with my third and my husband had gone to this church and just seen the oppression of the women. And he was like, hey, I told the pastor that you would love to do a women's meeting tomorrow morning. I was like, listen, after that many hours with children in the car, I'm not even sure I'm saved anymore. I mean, like, I'm like ready to throw all the Bible song things out of the car being like, I hate salty. I'm not doing this anymore. So my husband was like, no, you just, you just need to be ready. And so he took our kids out to some breakfast and I hit my knees and this was the turning point. I said, God, you never sent me a mentor and you know, I don't like women. So I don't know why you're asking me to speak to women. And he said to me, Lisa, for you, there will never be a mentor. He said, but what you wish another woman would have been to you, you begin to be. And I said, wait a minute. I don't know how to be that. I don't know how to be that. And he said, yes, you do. He said, everything you wish another woman would have poured into you, you begin to pour. He said, write it backwards, Lisa. Look at the last eight years of your life, the last decade of your Christian walk and figure out what you wish she would have done, what you wish she would have told you, and you be that woman. And then he said to me, okay, and this is so embarrassing, but then he said to me, Lisa, I like women. (laughs) He said, I created woman as the answer to the very first problem. And I was like, wait, he said, that it was not good for man to be alone. And he said, I see women as answers to problems. So that shifted all of my perspective. So anyway, we raised our boys and never really for sure imagined they would all want to work with us because my husband is Italian and Dutch and I am Sicilian and French. And that's kind of a crazy combination. So 
but our kids are are with us and then we started having grandkids and that's one of the most amazing things on the face of the earth i started having these beautiful spiritual daughters and had such an awareness that so many of these young girls they were so hungry to actually do it in a feminine heart with strength you know and so i kind of think that there's been a choice in the past of you can be strong and anti-male or you can be weak and pro-female and and i was like no we can be pro-female and strong and so i had written a book called lioness arising and and i had compared women to lionesses because lionesses are a they're a collection of related females they hunt together they take care of each other's young they nurse each other's young they train each other's young and i thought that's what we need to be we need to be those women and so it was great i was like yes i love this let's do it and then i thought well you're not doing it what what are, what are you i mean you're telling other people to do it but you've got some young daughters now you've got mamas looking to you give them some tools and you know i just i just found that i wanted my granddaughters to not have to work out the hard way the things i had already paved away for them i wanted them to really have this blessing and strength over their life that they didn't have to be angry at men or angry at this but that they could actually understand that their desire for a purpose that honors god and a life of courage is woven into their being and so um i just really wanted to write a book that would position young girls and young boys to be honest with you because they can listen in but to position children to really understand that they can be courageous at whatever stage and wherever they find themselves in life that no one can take away their voice and that they have permission to use that and so between lizzy my granddaughter who is i don't even know how to describe her she is this package of fierce and adorable half the time her clothes are not on her she is just not going to be we're like please lizzy just keep your clothes on for 15 minutes but she cannot be contained she hates having limits and when i saw her i saw so much of me when i was little you know of wanting to be big wanting to do everything and yet understanding that you can't and she's got an older brother and an older sister all the time telling her you're too small be careful you're not big enough and she's like don't tell me i'm not big enough and she's constantly getting in trouble and and i was like oh i need to somehow seize the good of that and empower her to have voice and ask for help because i think when everybody tells you you're little the last thing you want to do is admit you're little and so i was like what can i do to create this conversation and Yeah, you know, the first time I read the book to her, she just said, "Again, again, <laughs> again." It just validated her strengths without um minimizing some of the challenges that she would have. I wanted to empower young people, little littles to ask for help and to understand that that is at times the absolute most bravest brave courageous thing you can do is ask for help. I had taken Asher and Sophie, my two oldest grandchildren out and really wanted to actually put some of this into practice and so we were driving in the car and they're in the back seat and I said hey Sophia is anybody at school ever mean to you and she was like no no 
And I said, Asher, is anybody at school ever mean to you? And he said, no, no one at school is mean to me. And I said, oh, is there someone else mean to you? And then he began to talk to me about, you know, this little girl who was the daughter of friends of, you know, my, my uh, son and daughter-in-law. And that when she would come over, she would like hit him in the face, that she would isolate him, that she would do all these kind of different things. And, and, um, you know, she would, you know, he was, she would kind of be the big girl and, and, uh, she was probably three years older than him. And so I said, well, have you told your parents? And he said, well, I tried to, but they just said that I needed to obey her when she was here because she was the oldest. And so then I said, well, Sophia, what do you, what do you do when this is happening? I said, do you stand up for Asher or do you go along because you want to be one of the big girls? And Sophia throws her head back and starts crying. And she said, I go along because I want to be a big girl. <laughs> and, and, she, and she was like, yeah. and I was like, what just happened? And she, and she goes, Asher, I won't do it anymore. From now on, I'm going to stand up for you. And I could tell that she felt a lot of guilt about this. And, and, and this was a, like a healing between them. And, and so, yeah. And then I got to talk to the parents and say, Hey, I don't, I don't know if you understand what really is happening. And they were able to write that dynamic. So it didn't happen anymore. It was, it was really interesting. So I think there's opportunities for conversations where we, number one, identify the need and number two, equip them to meet it. And so that was kind of my three things with this book, create conversations that identify the need and then equip them to face it. What we're doing is we want them to understand that they're not bold because of their, so, you know, Proverbs 28, one, the righteous are as bold as a lion says to them, it's not your size. It's not your age. It's your standing with God that emboldens you to be a lion, to be as bold as a lion. And, and I just think, you know, there's no creature that makes, you know, little boys and little girls feel fiercer than a lion, you know? And so like when you tell them you're as bold as a lion, they're like, I am as bold as a lion. So yeah, so that was the scripture that we put out there. And we're just hoping that that becomes a mirror that children can carry into their life. And whether that boldness means they speak out directly to something or they ask for help, we want them to know that that is their heritage of righteousness. And so moms and children need to be set up to have these conversations. Creating opportunity for conversations is a huge tool for parents, especially when they're putting their kids to bed. We decided to be devoted. Um, we wanted to do devotions, and when I if we had had Jesus always, I, I'm sorry, I just I scanned through Jesus always, and I got so excited about August 14th. Wake up your heart! I was like, oh my goodness, wake up your heart! This this book is positioned so well. If I'd had this, we would have done one page a night. And this is what I I love about this Jesus always for the kids was it's just one page. You know, that's like not just the attention capacity, but the retention capacity. And when I, I just was flipping through it and I was just so captivated by the unpacking of the truth and then the read on your own. And, you know, I just, I, when I, when I got a copy of Jesus, all these 365 devotions for kids, I was like, well, I'm going to flip through this and 
I'm going to try to figure out as a grandmother if this stays at my house or if it goes to them because this is just so, no, it's just so beautifully written. Um, the, the words, the, the way that each thing is positioned, count on me to help. You belong to me. I am the only one. You were made for joy. I just feel like the way it's positioned is just so highly relational that it wouldn't just speak to the kids, but it would speak to the mothers and, and fathers that are going through it with them. For more information on Lisa's new book for kids, Lizzie the Lioness, please visit lizziethelioness.com. We'll be right back with the second half of our program after this brief message from Audible. As a special offering to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version, and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now, on to the second half of our show. Our next interview features Christian bloggers Sammy Cohn and Rachel Wojo. Rachel began her website, rachelwojo.com, to keep herself accountable to God's Word and to help others enjoy fresh faith on a daily basis. Sammy Cohn started her site as a frugal expert, and she pursues a variety of media to help others live their dream life on less and pursue their passions. They both share their thoughts on why they like to help others through the medium of blogging and their thoughts on being moms with a mission. Rachel and I are old friends, but we don't get to see each other very much. So No, we sure don't. Rachel and I share a common bond in that we both are very real, or at least strive to be very real in our walk and in our families. Um, and one of the tendencies with blogging that you know I really try to fight back against is to portray this, I've got it all figured out image. And coming to know Christ at the age of 25, like I did, that was my freedom in Christ. You know, I grew up as a people pleaser and I grew up as this, Mm. you know, I thought love came from performance and achievement. And so I spent the majority of my life trying to be whoever you wanted me to be or whoever was in front of me wanted me to be, because that's the only way I thought they would like or even love me. And so when I came to know Christ at the age of 25, what I literally heard God say to me was, whether or not people like you or dislike you, they'll respect you when you live a consistent life for me. And that was a game changer for me. And so in my parenting, in my blogging, in my writing, I don't try to, you know, unload all my baggage, but I definitely want people to realize I have struggles too. And and Rachel and I have both been through um, some very, I mean, I think everyone goes through struggles, right? But um, you know, mm-hmm. Rachel, with your with your children, especially, I almost lost my marriage four years ago. Um, and, you know, even the book I wrote while it's on parenting, it's more about this is something I needed and something I'm still <laughs> struggling with. And so Absolutely. here's what I'm yes. working through and how the word has helped me um, to find, you know, not necessarily answers, but find ways to, you know, bring me and my family closer to Christ. And I know Rachel really does that, too. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
There can be so much pressure on moms these days because we have this um, we have this ideal standard of what we expect everything to look like and be like. And you know, I'm a big Pinterest gal. You know, I love Pinterest. I'm an idea person, but you know, Pinterest can kind of make us have this unrealistic expectation of what life should be like and versus what it is like, you know. I mean, if you come in my kitchen right now, you're going to find crumbs on the floor and there are going to be, you know, most likely art marks from yesterday, like with paint markers or something, you know. It's just not um, perfect. And I think other people are really looking for that opportunity to see that it's real life. There is no ideal life. It's real life. I think blogging in its best form is really a way to storytell and to share stories. And um, again, coming to know Christ later in life as a Christian, there can be that feeling of where the church should be somewhere where I should be able to go and be open and say, look, everything's not okay. Sometimes the opposite happens. And we walk through the doors of the church after just having fought the whole way to get in the car, much less in the car, right? And then we walk in the church and all of a sudden it's like, okay, everyone, you know, smooth out the clothes, put on the smile. We're okay, but we're not okay. I just think, you know, everybody needs to, to know that there are still people out there who are just real. They're doing the same thing you're doing, the best that you can for the Lord, to raise your children for the Lord every day. And yes, we fail, but, you know, I, I always tell people parenting is the process, right? It's how God makes us more holy as, as people is through our parenting skills. You know, our kids are who they are, but so much of it, and, you know, Rachel chime in here, you know, is, is who we are and who, mm-hmm. what we're teaching them and what they're seeing, not even what we're teaching them. I mean, the modeling. Think, yeah. Lessons are caught, not taught, yes. right? They're, they're mm. listening and watching and observing. So if we're not going to live it out and if we're not going to be respectful to others and if we're not going to go across the yard and knock on a neighbor's door that we haven't seen come out in a while or if we're not going to be the ones that are standing up to do something in the community or in the church that maybe we don't feel like doing but we you know, feel needs to be done, how are they going to know how to do it? Right. And seizing those moments in everyday parenting is is kind of tricky, you know, because they come at the most inconvenient times, doggone it. (laughs) They want to talk when they're already tucked in bed and you're exhausted and you're just like, okay, let's pray. Dear Jesus, amen. Thank you. All right. Time for sleep. Close those eyes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just, I mean, you've got to take that extra 10 minutes there to really talk about that, you know, have that conversation they want to have. Sammy and Rachel impart the messy moments of parenting as well as the rewarding moments through their work as bloggers. They have each written books about what they've learned about themselves, their families, and God through their struggles and triumphs in parenting. They both share about how they utilize devotionals to inspire their kids to learn about the Bible and to spend time with God, and how Jesus Calling for Kids has been instrumental in connecting them with their kids through family devotional time. Jesus Calling for Kids, we read it for three years in the mornings every day before school. And so it's a very, um, not just a devotional to us, it's a very personal devotional for our kids. 
you don't want your kids to fight over a devotional, you know, <laughs> but I have to admit that some days it was an argument as to who was going to read. And, um, we actually had to separate the devotional into the parts and say, okay, this person gets to read the headline and the halfway, you know, the it. first three paragraphs. And this person gets to read the other two paragraphs in the scripture. And so we would have to divide it up. But I believe that Jesus calling it, it was, it's just been such a grounding devotional for us because it's such a quieting your heart's time. And even though you can quickly read it in five minutes, which is awesome, you know, you don't have to take a ton of time. It doesn't have to be, let's have our half hour Bible study kids, because that's not realistic either. I mean, there were times where we just had to grab the devotional and read it in traffic on the way to school. There were times where um, we would read it in the waiting room. You know, we missed the morning. We couldn't, you know, do it in the morning because we got up late or we had had to be at school extra early for something. And so we would read it, you know, at lunchtime or in a waiting room somewhere or, you know, bus pickups. That's what's cool is even though we tried to have a structure, we also were flexible with it. So it's really been an important part of, of our history of just the school year, especially. I love that you said be flexible, Rachel, because that's, I mean, the best time we found to do it was in the car on the way to school. Yeah. Don't trade those car lines in for anything because the times that you have with your kids before and after school, especially as they get older are invaluable because they're trapped, right? You've got them. <laughs> so, and I know not everyone can have that, but if you can mimic something like that, um, that was our best Jesus calling times. They see me doing my devotions in the morning, but that doesn't mean that naturally, <clears throat> you know, makes them want to do devotions. And so when Jesus calling for kids came along, mm-hmm. it was exactly what we needed because all of a sudden we had, it was great because even if I did Jesus calling, I knew we were going to talk about, you know, we were going to read Jesus calling for kids and it was going to be in their language. It was going to be something they could understand. And it wasn't me you know, I love my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. That's hard language to pass on to a kid, yes. right? Yeah. So the times where I've tried, you see the glaze going over their eyes within about five seconds. But with this, all it, here's what I'll say. All it took was one day where our kids opened it. And, and we're a little easier because we have two and one was born on an even number day and one was born on an odd number day. That's how we divided, Rachel, so that we, <laughs> we had it easier. So if it was an odd number day, you know, one red. If it was an even number day, the other red. But it, all it took was one day of them opening it up to read something and, you know, my daughter being like, Mom, this is exactly what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? That's all yeah. it took for us because awesome. it was just that moment of like, wow, you know, and it's not that... Sarah Young is speaking to us, right? It's, it's the idea of if we allow ourselves to be open to what God has for us on any given day, you know, this is someone that's using their gifts to bring us closer to us and our relationship with God, right? And that's what I think the books do so well is that they usher us into that posture, you know, and that time and that moment so that we can hear what God has to say mm-hmm. to us or for mm-hmm. us. And you know what? It's not going to be the same thing on July 7th next year, right? What spoke to us today out of that might be totally different next year. And that's what's cool to do when you 
you know, like Rachel was saying, doing it over the years um, to see, and we write in it, you know, I'll write in 2011, you know, if there was something poignant that happened, I just write in on that day. And that's also really great to come back and see, Oh, remember when, you know, we were going through blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just a little reminder because that's great for your kids to see those visual reminders, right? Like mm-hmm. placing those stones, making an altar. It's great for them to see those prayers that he's answered or the struggles that we've had that still aren't answered um, or the praises that happened even. So I, I love being able to do that with the kids as well. I just love how you can get something different. Like you said, Sammy, you can get something different every time you read it through. And somebody will be like, aren't you tired of that devotional by now? Well, the kids have not complained one bit. So I'm Mm -hmm. guessing, no, the answer is no. They're still, still ready to go and keep going. Jesus Calling for Kids is a great, obviously has been a great vehicle for us. But, you know, go to your library and find it in your library and and start it for three weeks if you don't have the money to get it. Or just, you know, grab a friend and grab a notebook and um, grab your Bible and just start somewhere um, because that's where real change happens. I never want someone to think we've got it all figured out. I think whatever you do, do something. Don't wait for January 1st. Don't wait for someone to ask you. (laughs) Don't wait. I don't want anyone to think that they don't have the tools to do something today to deepen their walk with the Lord and their families. Sammy Cohn's website is full of amazing resources for busy families. Visit her site to learn more about her work and her book, Raising Uncommon Kids, by going to sammycohn.com. Rachel Wojo's Encouraging Fresh Faith website has resources for Bible study, prayer, and encouragement. Follow her and learn more about her book, One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up, at rachelwojo.com. Next week on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with legendary singer-songwriter and country music icon Dolly Parton. Dolly's eclectic and impactful career has been recognized through the numerous awards she has received, including Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Awards. Dolly's dream has been, quote, to make as many people happy as I can in this life. And she has done so through her music, acting, and through giving to others through her many charitable endeavors. Dolly talks about what inspires her and how she approaches each day. I believe that through God all things are possible, and I've proved a lot of that. I pray every day that God will lead me and guide me and direct me, and that He'll bring all the right things, all the right people into my life, take all the wrong things out. And I ask him to let me every day to do something to uplift mankind and to glorify him. Our featured passage from today is from the August 14th entry of the Jesus Always audiobook. I will restore to you the joy of my salvation. When you confess your sins to me with a humble heart, I gladly forgive you. But there is more. I restore you. The salvation of your soul is the source of inexpressible and glorious joy. I want you to experience once again the rich, deep pleasure of a close relationship with me. I desire to be your first love. Many people and things compete for your attention, so keeping me first in your heart requires diligence. You have developed ways of seeking me that are familiar and easy for you. But the danger of relying too much on routine is that it can become a tedious duty. When you realize this has happened, you need to stop and try something new. 
Remember who I am, King of kings, Lord of lords, creator, sustainer of this vast, awesome universe. Take extra time to worship and adore me before bringing me your other prayers and petitions. This will awaken your heart to my glory and to the joy of my presence. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.